Welcome, everybody. This is Sandera Quackenbush, your host of the Archetypal Tarot Podcast. And I have the great pleasure today to welcome the Wiser Tarot Creators. And we have here Judica Illis and we have Catherine Sky Peck. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for having us. And just so that we can uh, introduce our audience to what role you had in basically recreating this beautiful deck that was uh, originally the art done by Pamela Coleman-Smith and uh, the content dictated by Arthur Edward Waite. Uh, what was your role in this card deck recreation? Why don't you uh, go first, Judica? No, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defer to Catherine because Catherine is really the commander of this of this army here um of this very, it was a very collaborative process with Catherine at our helm so basically um back in 2016 uh we were entering the 60th anniversary of Wiser as a publisher and then by the time the deck came out we were in the 65th year anniversary and it was something that I had started talking to our publisher about um because I go way back to when Wiser first moved out of New York uh, and I joined them at that point. So I, I had been working with Donald Wiser since 81. And um, I felt to commemorate the 60th anniversary and then the 65th anniversary. And at that point, it was also the anniversary of Pamela Coleman Smith's death. Um, that we really wanted to do something to commemorate Wiser, the company, Wiser, the man who had passed in recent years, and also Stuart Kaplan of U.S. Games, who was absolutely the person who brought writer Wade Smith uh, to the attention of America and pretty much the world. So uh, it was really, it was really a, uh, a project that I had in my heart because I wanted to commemorate all of that. And uh, I had had Pamela Coleman Smith on my mind quite a bit uh, as an artist and really wanted to approach the deck from a kind of what would Pamela do point of view um, to get really back into who she was as an artist and try to bring some of that uh, youth and energy um, that had informed her pre-tarot work back into the deck. Because she had a prominent art career in, um, you know, and this is going back to a time when not so many women were able to go to university because she went to Pratt and able to, you know, she lived very freely. She was a member of the Golden Dawn. She was a, a set designer for the theater, worked for, for uh, Bram Stoker, knew Ellen Terry, really was, um, you know, she, she's a very, very accomplished person. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that we wanted to recreate the deck so much as show it in a new light. I think one of the things Catherine can speak about with the art is that we didn't change and it was very important to us not you know Pamela Coleman Smith's nickname is Pixie and we didn't want to change any of the art what we did is we brought it back to the bare bones we we removed the color brought it down to the bones and we don't no one actually knows what her what her illustrations look like we we, we don't longer have them the original ones and if you you know, for people who love the writer Wade Smith, like me, there have been other recolored editions, the Universal and the Albano, and even different writer Wade Smiths are slightly different colors. I think there's a black and gold one out now. And we, we wanted to have different colors. And so you could really see Pamela's art in a way that I think she would have liked I, you know because the deck was done in 1909 those printer plates were destroyed in the war her yeah. original artwork 
cannot be found. No one knows really what it looked like. And with the printing technology at the time, I mean, if you look very closely at the original cards, you know, there's that tiny little dot pattern that you see with that printing process. So um, it's unclear really what the richness of the color may or may not have been. But looking at the work that she produced as an independent artist uh, in gouache and in watercolor, it was bold, it was moving, it was, uh, it had had a lot of energy to it. So I think the approach that I had, as Judica said, um, we took it down to the bare bones. And a lot of the reason we did that, and the reason we chose this, I'm gonna back up for a second to commemorate the anniversary. Donald Weiser and Stuart Kaplan of US Games were very close, good friends. Donald was a book publisher. Stuart was in the card space. Donald had gotten his hands on Waits' pictorial key to the tarot. And back in the day when he started as a publisher, he started as a reprint publisher, bringing a lot of these old occult items back in for people who really wanted them. And he had gotten his hands on Waits' 1909 book. And so he was going to reprint it. Now that book is illustrated with black and white illustrations. And he suggested to Stuart, well, why don't you see if you can get the deck? We'll do a book, you do the deck, I'll do the book. And uh, so we always had that as sort of the nexus of everything. And I had always really been intrigued by the black and white illustrations because in their simplest form, there is so much you can see there that you may not see otherwise. And when you really look at the, the cards in their simplest form, there is gender ambiguity, there is racial ambiguity, there is place ambiguity. There's a lot of possibility that exists in the cards. And we didn't really go at it specifically to, as Judica said, recreate it or make another version. It was more a process of deconstructing it and getting into it, just like diving deep into the deck and pulling out, you know, what we felt keeping Pamela Coleman Smith mostly more than weight. Pamela Coleman Smith was foremost in our minds in that and approach. It, and Wait really only gave her detailed instructions for the major arcana. Right. He gave her keywords that, you know, she was an independent spirit. You know, Pamela, she was an Aquarius. She, uh, I, he did give her keywords, but I, you know, as someone who loves the writer Wait Smith, I look at those keywords and they don't always correspond to the cards to me. Mm -hmm. So that the those minor arcana, which are so, you know, they were so radical for the time. People weren't illustrating the pip cards. Um, so I, I that is very much our tribute to, to Pamela. Yeah. No, so not, not to not to just Arthur Waite, who of course it wouldn't exist without him. And it wouldn't exist without Ryder, the publisher, you know, who they who was very brave to do this at the at the time. But Pamela Coleman Smith is our star. And it's it's interesting as Judica said, the the miners had not been created into scenes before. And when you think about Pamela Coleman Smith as having a prior uh experience as a set designer for theater, that really shines in the minors. She really gets in there and finds the story in every card, not just in the suit, but connecting the suits. And you know, you 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 get a great appreciation of how she created the set and created the stage for that energy to unfold. And so there were there were things that we wanted to do. I mean, one of the things that we made a, an effort to do, um, we gave each suit sort of a, an elemental theme so we could like pull it together, air, earth, water, fire. Um, if you look at the cards, they're very strongly uh, colored to fit their element, but also, uh, 
really paying attention to how the entire play unfolds from act one, act two, act three to act four. And the things that appear and reappear as you go through the minors. And, you know, those are some of the things that, you know, when you spend a lot of time in a a tarot book and it's like, this is the meaning of this card and this is the meaning of this card. And you know, everybody's telling you how to look at the card. We want people to look at the cards. We wanted to do something so that people would look at them with fresh eyes for the first time and maybe see things right. that they hadn't seen before. Yeah. So there's a quote uh, in your booklet that says, examine each card one by one prior to considering the interpretation yes. of others. And I, I just think that that should be in every deck, no matter who has created it, because uh, that's really the strength of the intuition of the reader and the person who's going to interact with the card. So I just really appreciated that this classic deck uh, reinstated, reimagined in its colors, uh, could remind us all of that when we pick up these cards, because that's really the invitation, right, to to doing these readings. So well, let's talk. Oh, go ahead, Judica. No, 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 no. No, I was just going to comment on, on what you said. You know, I teach tarot. And one of the things I do is I'll have people look at the cards and I, what do you see? And let's say it's death. And they'll say, oh, it, it, it's cha- it means change. And it's like, no, because they've read that. Don't tell me, don't tell me what you think it means. Just tell me what you see, you know, you know, what is in the picture. And that is, I think for people who come to tarot by reading books, sometimes very difficult Mm -hmm. because, because the authors tell you what it means already. And you, so you sort of bypass that, but you might say, you might have very personal associations with an image it may resonate with you in a way that it doesn't do with anyone else and and that's a very valid and important thing it absolutely is and so you must have spent so much time with these cards you know going back to those bones as you describe them and probably seeing things that (laughs) you had never seen before on uh, your first take so can you tell me a little bit about maybe some of the mm, inspirations or or aha moments that came while working with this deck where you're like wow I never saw that before this is really speaking to me (laughs) um I think for me and I'm a rather um unconscious subconscious person when I'm painting or creating something but for me um just to really see uh, the rivers, the mountains, the clouds, where there are no clouds, where birds, you know, you know, just just the the life. I tend to see things three dimensionally, <laughs> so you know, you. I started to see the things that were in the background, you know, behind the character, behind the main symbol, behind the whatever, and then started to see how that was traveling all the way through um, the deck, and that was just a, a joy you know, to really become engaged with that. Absolutely. And there's this return to watercolor. I think I had read that it it had originally been watercolor. It was lost during World War II. And so you're working back with this original medium. Uh, Can you tell us about that experience of of choosing the colors? And we have a wonderfully diverse deck here. We have different skin colors. We have stormy qualities to the landscape and the sky. And tell us a little bit about using watercolor and and maybe some choices that uh, occurred to you while making these. Well, I'm going to say with the watercolor, uh, a lot of it was because that was uh, that or gouache, a, a watery type of was um, Pixie's medium back in the day, but also, you know, she had synesthesia. So she would listen to music and paint. So there is this quality of movement and air and substance that is happening all at once. And I think watercolor is a perfect medium that captures that because there's, 
there's so much transparency and opaqueness and movement and freedom in it. I mean, we we let the cards be messy in places. We didn't clean up the edges. We wanted it to feel um, real, if that's the right word to use. Yeah, that's as what far, I was just saying. Yeah, as far as the color choices go, I mean, I went into it um, not being super, super, uh, I didn't really have an agenda about what I wanted or didn't want to do in terms of color. But like I said, looking at the original line art, what struck me was that there is a lot of uh, ambiguity in it, in, in how she presents people. And there has been a lot of talk. Uh, I mean, the, the Rider Waite is a product of its century and a product of its European background and a product of whatever. And there are things that you cannot escape. The deck is what it is. That's it. But there has been a lot of uh, pushback on it because there is so little diversity in it. So obviously you can't go in and diversify it in terms of body shape. You can't diversify it in terms of disability, but you can do a little bit in terms of, you know, paying homage to the fact that we are a world of people of different colors. There are skin tones in there that are green. You know, there are things that aren't real, but there is a, there is a rainbow of variation going on. And um, it wasn't so much that I wanted this person, this color and this person. I just wanted there to be a flowing of, uh, of, people the reason we couldn't diversify in terms of body shapes or disabilities i know there we there has been some questions about that is because we were committed to not changing pamela coleman smith's lines mm -hmm. and once we you, you you this particular deck this individual deck we we wanted to keep, you know, it's not, we are not taking her deck away from her. That is, who's to say what she would have drawn if she was alive now? Because yeah. certainly, if for those who know what Pamela Coleman-Smith looks like, she didn't represent herself in, in the body forms. They're very, it's a very classical art of that time, but we didn't want to second guess what she would have done or what her intent was or what she wouldn't have done. And so the lines are hers. The, the colors are ours. And I, I think that they're so much, they're free. Because depending what yeah. edition you get, I happen to like the U.S. Games as the Centennial Edition, which I like the Pamela Coleman Smith Centennial Edition. And it's, the colors are sort of softer. A lot of editions of the RWS are a little harsh. Um, and the colors are very sort of monochromatic. And they don't necessarily lend the, depending on what kind of divination you do, you know, the fluidity. Because, of course, although all the elements, you know, are represented Golden Dawn style in the deck, you could look at tarot as a type of intuitive divination as you know, it's it's watery, that kind of, you yeah, know. Yeah, and it was intuitively painted. I mean, yes. I, I, I go back to a couple of cards. Like if you look at the Five of Wands, it's it's a real mishmash of various colors coming together because that's that energy of that card, you know? And I, I not necessarily thinking of it terribly much at the time I was doing it, but looking back at it now, you know, it represents some of the chaos that's going in there and it's not a terribly controlled you know all these people are going to you know wear the same outfit and look the same and you know be in different you know what i mean and, and the, the nine of the nine of swords i mean you you've got this person you know sitting up in bed you know and it's like is it a man is it a woman you know but the focus becomes on 
that moment of like, ah, right. you know, what has pulled that person out of sleep? And it was the, it was the energy that I was going for more than making any kind of statement. Well, you, you know, the other thing that we can't forget is Pamela Smith, this is not her life's work. I mean, it has become, you know, ironically, I think she did those, she produced those cards very quickly. She was not paid very much. Nope. Arthur Waite commissioned her to do it, and he gave her relatively little money. And so we, ironically, Catherine, you probably spent more time agonizing over colors and things like that than Pamela did with the original. You know, at the time, I wasn't agonizing over colors. I was <laughs> agonizing over colors when I got to the point where I shared it with you and some, we had yeah. a couple other people can yeah. um more agonizing that i had gotten it right and not kind of gotten too much into my head and off the point right. which right. is easy right. to do when you're just painting so that was more the agony was at the end <laughs> my my first deck was the bota the bota deck and if people are familiar with it it, it looks like a little coloring book it, you're, the, the, the goal with that deck, the creators, they want you to color it in. Yeah. And I was so, I, I've never done it because I was so intimidated because if you read the little book, it tells you exactly what shade in the Crayola box to pull out this blue or that, you know? And um, it, 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 it's hard. It is a hard thing to do. So to you know i don't know i i just think Catherine did just such a wonderful job i mean i i was very lucky because she showed me a couple different examples because i was not in on the bare bones aspect of it i came in after it already been colored and you really do see the cards it's just, it's just looking at them in a fresh way absolutely and having done so many tarot readings and worked with I'm sure very many decks since that first one which I hear you bought from Wiser <laughs> so did. or your sister I think my sister, sister did I was six <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> buying anything I was maybe buying an Archie comic <laughs> they, they were down on the Lower East Side in those days but my sister went to Cooper Union which yeah. also Lower East Side wow so you meet this deck and you start playing with it you're, I, I imagine you're doing these readings how how does this how did this deck speak to you for me yeah oh did it took me a long time to do readings it took me i mean i studied tarot for, for decades i was a very shy child english is not my first language if i i if you had told me at age six or seven that i'd be sitting here on a podcast you know with someone who i'd never met before i, I mean my mind would have been blown it would have been inconceivable to me i i don't think i was comfortable speaking publicly till i was 30 um but <laughs> ironically and you know here i am but um i saw that my sister would come home at the end of the day and i love my sister so I, you know i would always greet her and what did she bring home and you know sometimes it was books and sometimes and, and i read very early and sometimes it was music all sorts of stuff incense but I do, I saw those cards and there's a very strong Egyptian theme in those cards. And I just, I just fell in the love. B, the BOTA. Yeah. Yeah. The BOTA. I, well, that was the first deck I'd ever seen. Yeah. Um, I just fell in, I fell in love with them. And I didn't know that people, I was aware of fortune telling or reading cards that I did have a knowledge that this was something that could be done. But I just fell in love with them. And I was very lucky in that I didn't read books first. Um, I say as somebody who, you know, edits books and tarot, and I've read a lot of them now, and I eventually did. But in the beginning, I was just looking at the images, and they were they were magic. You know, the Nine of Swords, that's one of my favorites. I, you know, nobody told me I wasn't supposed to like the swords. Nobody told me. I was supposed to be afraid of this card or that card. So, you know, I was able to develop a relationship, me and the cards, but eventually, but I didn't read for anybody. Eventually I realized you could read and I started studying 
and I would read a lot of, um, I read a lot of books. I read a lot of stuff. I, I read everything I could. And, and by then I had seen the writer weight also, which is an easier deck to read from. It's a very accessible deck. You know, that's my, my old reliable, you know, I, I was a phone psychic. That was my old reliable. You could always get a reading from the writer Wade Smith. Pamela Coleman's images are so magical. Anybody who I think comes, has a little bit of a Western background, fairy tales, architecture, history, or just the imagery. You know, if you've been to an art museum, it, it will talk to you. And that's just, it, it's such an incredible accomplishment. You, you don't have to be a super educated person. You don't need to know anything about her or tarot. You, if I put those cards in front of someone, what do you see? Mm-hmm. They'll start to tell me a story. And it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Wow. And that story is so, so vital to the reading and to the. I, mean, I, I started reading professionally in 1988. That's how long it took me. I, I would read a little bit for myself before that in high school. I read a little bit for friends, but I was very shy. And I was always, I was very scared of getting it wrong. Mm-hmm. I lost my last corporate nine to five job. I'm not clear whether I walked out or they fired me. It's a little ambiguous there. Uh, 1988, and I didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't want to, I was working in New York City and the crime was so bad. I swore I would, I, I always worked in Midtown and I swore I was never going to go up I was never going above 14th Street after I lost that job. And um, what am I going to do? And I decided, well, I can read tarot cards. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a tarot reader because I always wanted to be a tarot reader. And I actually took a class. I had a moment of panic with, I was self-taught. What if I've been doing it all wrong? So I took a class from the woman a woman who became my very, very good friend, Carol Murray, who my book Daily Magic is dedicated to, who um, her she's an artist very much ahead of her time. I mean, she's no longer with us, who um, her work is reproduced in, Stan, in, in Stuart Kaplan's um, The Third Encyclopedia, the U.S. Games, The Third Encyclopedia of Tarot. And I I, I went and I took like a, a, an adult education class, I think at the someplace in New York City, just to make sure I was doing it right. Luckily I was, and you know, she became my good friend. But um, yeah, no, that's, I've been reading professionally since 88, but I got that first deck in 66. So there, there's your perspective. Absolutely. And so decades later, you come to this, this beautiful new deck that Catherine has put the colors into, you're playing. Yeah. And yeah, tell us about that, that experience of, um, you know, after so many years of working with tarot to work with this deck in particular in terms of reading cards yeah reading cards and oh i I love it i mean it has really become my go-to deck i for a long time was working with um with that centennial deck but i i love the vividness of the colors i love watercolors i love the night skies um and i think that not the centennial edition, but previous editions. Do you know some of the art? It's very blocky. It's very, there's no depth to it. It's like you're looking at a wall. And I find that for me as a reader, I found that difficult. But there's a depth to the Wiser Tarot. And the colors really invite you in. And and for me, that that's that makes all the difference. Um, it, it makes it makes an accessible deck even more accessible. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure that three dimensional ability that Catherine has to be able to experience that imagery in that particular way really helps uh, to. Well, you know, uh, an exercise, a, a tarot. It, it's it could be for card reading, but for any other reason, um, an exercise is to visualize. You know, as a visualization, enter a card. Like go into the high priestess and see yourself in that card. And what does the high priestess have to tell you or what happens? You know, go into the magician. Is he going to give you wise wisdom or is he going to like play three card Monty with you? Um, You know, go into the card, of course, come out of the card 
And I find that new, because there's a textural and a 3D quality, that it is so much easier to do it with this. It's very alive. Do you know, I'll tell you a little something that was, uh, maybe I'm the only person who sees this. I'm speaking of like stepping into a card. I kept thinking of that with temperance. You know, mm -hmm. I wanted somebody to like be able to feel the water on their feet. Mm -hmm. and one of the things I put into that card, I don't know if anybody's ever noticed it. She has the elemental symbol on her gown mm -hmm. and it is reflected in the water upside down into another element so it's that kind of thing for me you know I mean I know that wasn't there <laughs> the original well the deck, little angst but, but for me with, that was that yeah. was me you know but we had a little we have some additions it's not you know yeah there um, are some things that we oh that's really cool. Um, is there any other ones that uh, would be fun to reveal to our listeners that they might be able to catch when they're looking through? Or should should that be their, their quest or <laughs> scavenger hunt? I think that should be their quest and scavenger hunt because I kind of, that one stays in my mind. Just, I have a, you know, you know how you have special connections to certain cards. For me, it's temperance and the hermit. And, you know, there are, there are very, you know, all of the swords for me. Thank you. Um, there it is. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that one sticks out in my mind. And I'm sure there are other places where I did uh, similar things. And and some of the symbolism does tie back to the Golden Dawn. So this, uh, this group that had formed, uh, do, what do you know about them? And, and does it matter? Do, how, how important? Is it to know? You don't need to know. I, it's funny that you say that because I was just thinking, I mean, when I when I first got my text, you know, even right away, I was a child. I didn't know anything about the Golden Dawn. You you don't you don't need to know. You have to bring yourself. That's the most important thing. But um knowing about the Golden, because of Pamela Coleman Smith and Arthur Waite were members as as were you know, one time. Alistair Crowley and W.B. Yeats. And, um, you know, Pamela Coleman was very close to W.B. Yeats and his brother. Um, so there's a lot of, I mean, Pamela, I mean, excuse me, Catherine could probably speak more of the Golden Dawn because when I read, I mean, we had these discussions. I, I don't even think about the element. I think about swords and cups. I'm not really focused too much on the elements. I mean, for me, they're very because I come from a witchcraft background and um, the type of witchcraft, I mean, and of course there's elements in witchcraft too, um, a lot, but it's, it's very magical for me. Mm -hmm. And I think Catherine could certainly speak much more about the elements than I can. Insofar the as the, the golden dawn, I mean, if you get into like, you know, uh, strict, I would don't know what you call it, Judica, uh, rules of the Golden Dawn. You know, sure. it, this is this color and that is that color. And, you know, there are, there are certain rigid This elements. direction, that direction. There is direction. And, there, and right. then you start getting into when there, there's Mathers and there's Wade and there's Crowley and everybody's arguing <laughs> about this. And, you know, is it yeah. this astrological? No, it's more related to that and so we're flipping around justice and strength and even moving around the order of the cards that, exactly. that you know the golden dawn rearranged them so in the end it's sort of like yeah you take that all in you know i was for example i was i i made the magician write purple instead of red you know and i'm like oh my god are people going to come down on me about this? You know, because the I hand of Arthur Wake will come to the grave. Red, you know? <laughs> but in the end, you know, that for me was a more powerful color to express what was really happening in that card. And so you at some point you have to leave that tradition behind. You know, it it was the informative principle for Wade and for Smith and for people at the turn of the century. But then you sort of, you do need to move on because well, the tarot is a living, breathing, changing child. Also, the Golden Dawn was, the Golden Dawn has, has had a very strong influence 
on magical practices that came afterwards, but they were always a small group. Magic is universal. Uh, divination is universal. And so they may, Arthur Wade may initially have envisioned this as, you know, the, the Golden Dawn was a secret society and a very elitist society. And he may have envisioned initially that this deck would be for members, initiates. But the reality is, these are among the most reproduced images in the entire world. Right. And people are, you know, we are not all Golden Dawn initiates. We are bringing our own experiences. And people are seeing whatever, clearly, clearly these images are meaningful for so many people. Yeah. And they're diverse from all over. And so I, I wouldn't want people to feel this deck is not for you. Right. Because you are not a member of the Golden Dawn or really this or that. Yeah. Yes. Or you haven't read about them first. I think Pamela Coleman Smith, you know, she was a very kind of classic person. She, she, she made her own rules. And she, I think she lived her life very much the way she chose to live it. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, she died in just abject poverty. But, you know, she, I mean, she certainly never reaped the benefits personally of the great success of this deck, which, you know, did not, the ascendancy of the writer Wade Smith and her artwork is very much post that meeting of Stuart Kaplan and Donald Weiser. Yeah. They, 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 in a lot of ways, were the, it was something forgotten or something so obscure. And they were the ones, it was just the right time and the right place. And they brought it to the world. And, you know, going back to the whole Golden Dawn versus whatever thing, it's interesting because Way came to creating this deck as a means of rectifying the tarot. I mean, it was this sort of intellectual exercise to, to rectify the tarot. And I think in some ways, Pixie subversively blew that up. Yeah, and she and so, really rectified it. You know, and it's like, he may have done it in words and, oh, this is this and this is that. And, you know, here are the symbols and whatever. But there is a very subversive quality to how she finally went in there and carried that out. And, and for us, we weren't so much interested in the rectified aspect of the deck or our rectifying the deck or any change. We just wanted to go in there, pay homage to the artist and kind of crawl into the bones of it and blow it up ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and they weren't the typical Golden Dawn members, both of them, yeah. they were Americans. Mm. They were Americans in Britain. They were also Christian mystics, which is often sort of pushed away. But if you have ever gone to Europe to see cathedrals, um, I mean, I, I remember I was in Spain and I, we were, you know, what do you do in Spain? They take you to all these churches, historic churches, and you can see, you can see the imagery of the tarot, the Rider White Smith tarot in, you know, in the architecture, in the details. So she brought a lot of things to these images. And um, I, I think that is why they have been so successful and so long lasting, because you look at some other things, her art is so fresh. And there's, there's a wonderful book, um, big hardcover art book that has a lot of her artwork in it. Mary Kay Greer was one of the authors, the co-authors. Her work is so fresh. Because mm. you look at other people's art from that time, and you go, "Oh yeah, that that's 1910, right?" Pixie Smith could be painting right now. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And it's interesting. I was just thinking again. Um, I remember in in reading the pictorial key to the tarot, Waite says at one point, "You know, absolutely not. Are we going to introduce Kabbalah and astrology?" <laughs> it's like, eh, forget that. We're putting that back in because you know what? <laughs> it's helpful. And, and yeah. how, how has that been brought into the deck for our 
our listeners how did you reintroduce or bring that that element particularly for the majors we we wanted to add to the descriptor at the bottom of the card it's astrological correspondence and it's kabbalistic correspondence because people you know yeah the little details in the corner yeah I think that's helpful for people who are, I mean, because basically you've got two two decks, you've got the majors and you've got the minors, you know, and right. for people who are working with the archetypal energy of the majors, mm-hmm. that's part of how they're going up and down that scale of, of the journey. It's astrological, it's Kabbalistic, you're up and down the tree, you're in, in and back, you know, so we felt it was important to add those pieces back into it. Yeah. Fabulous. Great. So in in a world where we're going through a tarot renaissance right now and there's and and you're involved in many other projects and other tarot cards. And um, and I know this is a great tribute to uh, the original artists and this legacy. But can you speak to of all the decks out there, which, of course, we can have many. But what what is it about this deck, particularly the wiser tarot that is so vital for us to access and to have out there as part of our repertoire, as part of our collection? I don't think I would put it above or beyond anything else, really, because there are so many other interpretations. I mean, I'm just thinking of the Rosebud Tarot at the moment, you know, which is a wonderful, wonderful reimagining of the cards. I mean, and you look at them and you can still see the rider weight in every single card, you know, but having brought a different sort of vocabulary to the landscapes and the people who populate them, it just makes it a wonderful, wonderful deck. You know, this, the Wise Tarot, I mean, Catherine and I were not the only ones to work on it. It was very much a labor of love from the wiser staff. And, you know, there's no one's name on it, the editorial staff, and there are a number of people in it. And we all, I, I am I am an editor of wiser books, but mainly I work on books. And, you know, Catherine is the creative director. And so people are bringing in, but, you know, in my, that's only one hat I wear, uh, a hat that I've been wearing since 1988 is, I'm a card reader. I am a professional card reader, you know, and different people look at tarot for many different reasons. I mean, there are therapists who use tarot decks in their practice and there are people who collect them for their art. And, you know, so, you know, but so I am speaking to you now purely as a card reader, as a diviner, as, you know, I I have no problem calling myself a fortune teller. So, um, the beauty of the writer Waitsmith in general, because I think speaking to my other diviners out there, we have all been like had a day where maybe, I don't know, we didn't have enough caffeine. We didn't have enough sleep. We're sitting there. Someone has paid for a reading and they ask you a question and you, you're working with the deck and you look at the cards and you know what the hell they're saying. What, what, what is the relevance of the card to the question? And it's just that, that sense of going blank. That never happens with Pamela Coleman Smith's cards. They are so reliable. I have had over the many years I've read, I've had people, good clients, good friends, call me at, you know, they have an emergency. I'm in the emergency room and it's five in the morning. I need you to re- pull some cards for me. And I will get out of bed. And that is the writer Wade Smith is always the deck I reach for because you can always get a reading. They all, they speak and they are so reliable. And if you are a professional reader, you need that reliability. You can't, you can't sit there and go, oh, I I don't know what these cards are saying. Ask me another question. You have to be able to answer. And I think what the wiser tarot does and you know, people may have their own individual decks that speak to them. So maybe this is not for everybody. You know, if you have what speaks to you, that's great. But I find that Wiser Tarot takes that old reliable and enhances that. Old reliable is now even more consistently 
reliable. And I really appreciate that. Mm. Yeah, in so many ways, this is like a Helen of Troy deck. It's launched a thousand other decks right. and fired right. Well, it's a language also because, yeah. you know, Tara, you have the two languages, the Marseille language and you have the Rider-Waite-Smith. And so one of my favorite decks, um, I have it right here, is, you know, Kipling West Halloween Tarot, which was put up by U.S. Games. I'm not even giving a plug to the company for which I work, but I love this deck so much. And once you, if you can read the Rider-Waite-Smith, you can read this one. Yes. If you can read the Rider-Waite-Smith, you can purchase or obtain however you're obtaining thousands of other decks and be able to read them it, it's it's like the latin for romance languages exactly it's the root. And, and that's opened the door to the modern witch tarot and mm -hmm. everything else that's based on it and then takes it further into a new space a new modern space and uh, i think yeah well i'm so excited that it has come to this level of evolution and it more people can see themselves in this deck and use use it and practice in this language uh for everyone so thank you thank you thank you for coming and i just want to uh, allow some time for you to talk about what's next for wiser uh and your personal projects and um i'd love to, to hear from you both on what to expect in the horizon Oh. Catherine, you, you talk about decks. I'll talk about some books. Oh, God. I mean, look, I'm, so involved, I'm so involved in decks right now that I'm like, um, we've got a couple of decks coming up from Carrie Paris, who's absolutely wonderful. Um, there's, Amazing. We're, there will be the Beloved Dead Oracle coming out, which is a, a deck for working with and doing ancestral work. The, it's just amazing. It's I think it's kind of my favorite of everything she's done. Uh, we're also doing a, a package set from her, which is Lenormand and Kipper together. Um, Kipper kind of a little less well-known in the United States than Lenormand. And the beauty of that is she shows methods for blending them for a, a fuller reading. Um, tarot, oh, Alexandra Eldridge's Radiant. Um, why am I going blank, Judica? Help me. <laughs> Be, be, this see this is what they're because you don't have the writer Wade Smith in front of you yeah, to tell you um, what. <laughs> Casey Zabala, uh, the one yeah. tarot. We love yeah. doing her deck. Um, we have we have know, another. When new I first deck got to Wiser, well. what? When I first got to Wiser, 2015, they told me don't bring us any decks. Yeah. We're not going to publish any decks. Mm -hmm. You know, we we had done the Crowley deck, the 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 Toth deck some years ago, but then we hadn't. I mean, decades we hadn't done any decks. And then the English magic tarot sort of yes. appeared. And that, you know, that was the first deck I worked on at Wiser. That was like a, that, 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 that was fully formed when it came to Wiser. I just, I worked on the book. And now we have this renaissance of tarot decks and other cardamancy and very just. Yeah, you know, and Wiser will always continue to be the occult you know yeah publisher i mean we're books so when we're we do a, a handful two or three every season not many so we have a very high threshold for what is a wiser <laughs> deck it has to be produced beautifully it has to be unique in its character it has to be you know a, a, a fresh door um, we have the conjure cards too. I mean, yeah, those are great. I mean, we have, the, the, we have just a lot of interest. I mean, it's not a lot compared to some other publishers or decks because we really have just just a few years ago began publishing decks again, and yeah. So we're not we're not creating them as merchandise. You know, we're not interested in like producing a lot of decks and like oh, here's really little product. You know. What? You know? I don't think people appreciate how we have a small staff of Wiser. Yeah. And, and once we start working, it's sort of all hands on deck. And we we dedicate a lot of time to each project. So we can't do 50 million because 
I mean, we, yeah. I mean, we, we wouldn't survive. <laughs> yeah. So what we do is special. It will, yeah. it will stay on our backlist for decades Forever. as, a, as yeah. a standard. I mean, it's, yeah. that's why I'm saying we're not producing merchandise. We're not just interested in like it's disposable. Yeah. Everything is up and making yeah. money and moving on to the next thing, you know, yeah. um, we're it's, it's, it's how do you bring decks into the language of book publishing as a whole mm -hmm. uh, most of the decks we're producing uh i mean the the wiser does continue to have that small little booklet inside because there wasn't a lot we needed to say but a lot of the other decks that we are producing are in six by eight five by seven book deck packages uh where you get a full book that is talking about you know the deck the approach um that comes with it so Early days, it's early days, but we will be putting out a new edition of, of, of The Shining Tribe Tarot by Rachel Pollock, which has been out of print forever. Yeah. Um, and it's it's amazing. We will, um, May 1st uh, is the publication date for Rachel's A Walk Through the Forest of Souls. Um, it, you can pre-order it now from whoever you pre-order from. Um, it is a... I mean, it's just, it's, I think, one of my favorite books ever. It's just this amazing, you really have a sense of Rachel speaking with you with her brilliant mind. It's tarot meets Kabbalah meets quantum physics meets the I Ching meets time travel. It's, it's incredible. And um, it's a very, as Catherine can tell you, it is, it is a very lavishly illustrated okay. book. And with very a lot of, accessible. Yes. I mean, you don't you don't have to be a quantum physicist to yeah. read it. It's fun. She's yeah. such a fun and interesting and great writer. And it, it is very lavishly illustrated and has a lot of images from Shining from the Shining Tribe, which really was not available. And we just looked at the images and I think we 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 need to bring this back to the world. Yeah. Wow. Fabulous. Well, this is all so exciting. And I, I know how busy you both are <laughs> with all of these projects. Uh, everybody's busy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, thank, thank you. Thank you for, for coming and sharing. Uh, thank you so much for the invitation. It's just been. Thank a you for your patience with us. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. We'll it's see. Been a pleasure. Hope to see you in one of these other projects, culminations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you.